Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, November 27th, 28th rather, 2017. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today is Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. Jeremy, there is a full calendar of new economic data on your side of the pond. Actually, there is a full calendar globally and in Asia and the United States as well. Can you give us a heads up on what's happening? Okay, well, as far as the the Eurozone is concerned this week, we get two of the most important indicators um, over the course of the next couple of days or so. We're going to see the the key flash update on inflation as far as November is concerned. That looks like it's going to come in probably around about 1.6%, up from 1.4% last time. So at least moving in the the right direction. But the chances are, and of course, the big problem as far as the UCB is concerned is underlying price and the rate there probably isn't going to be very different from last time. We'll get some kind of early feeling about that on Wednesday. The Eurozone figures out on Thursday. Germany will ha- Germany will reduce its provisional inflation data um, on Wednesday. What happens there will give us a bit more of an idea about what will happen to the, the full um, Eurozone number itself. Also on Thursday, we'll get the economic sentiment index from the Eurozone. That's quite important at the moment in the sense that we know really, unless we get big surprises, that ECB policy is is pretty well set now as far as the next, what, 12 months or so is concerned. Um, We'll be cutting QE next year. It may or may not end in September, but certainly until that date anyway, it seems unlikely and it's going to happen. But in terms of a longer outlook for interest rates and indeed QE, um, it's in part going to come down to inflationary expectations. And that's where this economic sentiment index is very important. It certainly looks as if from a headline basis, it's going to provide further evidence of what's looking to be an increasingly well-established and and broad-based economic recovery in the Eurozone. Um, It's probably going to come in line with what we saw from the flash PMIs last week, which put fourth quarter growth of Eurozone round about a sort of a a 3% or slightly stronger than 3% seasonally adjusted annualized rate, which for the eurozone itself is is pretty good going um, but to what but the key for financial markets again will be what happens to the economic sentiment surveys inflation expectations indicators they've been kind of peaking over the course of the last couple of months or so and the ecb will be hoping to see some kind of pickup there and were we to see that that could have implications as far as the longer end of the eurozone yield yield curves concerned Elsewhere, I've got to touch on politics for the Eurozone rather than numbers. Um, that's for Germany. Germany's people are probably aware is still trying to, to form a government at the moment. Um, last week when we spoke, it was difficult to see what was going to happen in terms of any kind of coalition. And fresh elections look to be you know, almost certainly the best bet. As things currently stand, um, the SPD, the main opposition party, is now having talks again with Angela Merkel's Conservatives. So there's at least a chance that we may may see a continuation of the current so-called grand coalition in Germany. That said, it won't be easy getting agreement between the two sides since there's a number of significant policy differences and it looks as if the talks themselves may not start properly until the beginning of next year, which means since elections were, what, back end of September time, three months for uh, the Eurozone's largest member state not to have a a really fully working government. And that can't be good news as far as the euro goes. Um, As far as the UK is concerned, 
Um, I suppose really the main focus at the moment is really reaction to last week's autumn budget, which in a nutshell didn't actually do a great deal, which will come as no surprises. Um, fiscal policy is still being tightened in the UK, but not by as much as uh, predicted previously. Partly that's down to the fact that the economy has slowed and indeed it's really come down to the Chancellor having to dip into his contingency reserves. So what he sets aside for future economic shocks just to make sure that public sector borrowing is going to drift down over the course of the next few years. But in terms of the original balanced budget targets by 2020, that's completely out the window now. So fiscal policy say, will be a little bit looser than expected. That may be, I suppose, a small factor for the hawks at the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee. if They're thinking about further hikes in interest rates, but for choice, that's still a long way down the road. Quickly, I should just sort of round off on Brexit, one of the, the key things to look forward to over the course of this week. Uh, what, six days, ta- six days to go until we get Prime Minister May having dinner with European Commission President Jean-Paul, Jean-Claude Juncker in what's expected to be almost the last big meeting before we get into the full EU leaders um, summit on December the 14th and 15th. It looks as if the UK will be stumping up its offer on its Brexit bill. If it doesn't do that, and it's almost certainly be some kind of hard Brexit. If they do do that, it's just a question of how well it's going to be taken. But Brexit by the end of this week will very much be back on the market's radar again. Thank you, Jeremy. In Japan, which has the key focus this week in Asia, uh, we will be presented with the usual end-of-month releases, retail sales, household spending, industrial output, the Consumer Price Index, and unemployment, all October data. The particular focus, though, of the markets will be on consumer spending, which was very weak in the third quarter. Expectations are for a year-on-year increase Uh, Declines, rather, in both retail sales and household spending, which doesn't bode well for a start to the fourth quarter. Industrial production is expected to rebound to a monthly gain of 2% after retreating 1% in September. Consumer private consumption actually declined in the third quarter, which was a surprise. And so the focus on consumer-oriented data will only be heightened by that past history. Uh, Also on the agenda this week is third quarter Indian gross domestic product. It's expected to rebound to a 6.4% increase year over year from 5.7% on the year in the previous quarter. Previous quarter was the weakest growth since early 2014 and suggested that recent government decisions, namely the withdrawal of high denomination currency notes and introduction of a goods and services tax has continued to weigh on economic committee activity and it remains to be seen if if it continues to weigh in the in this quarter in the third quarter mark you've had a very busy day this morning <laughs> bring us up to date <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a mix. Uh, let's first talk about the, uh, I guess, the bad news, and that's uh, we had advanced numbers on uh, trade, international trade in goods. That's looking at the goods pr- uh, portion of the a monthly trade balance, and that went uh, into 
a larger uh, deficit. Actually, the deficit is $68.3 billion in the month of October. That's a preliminary number. That's a pretty big deficit. Um, and that will be a negative, of course, net exports for uh, fourth quarter GDP. But it does follow two quarters of very um, uh, positive movement for net exports. So it's really not a surprise. It's just one month. And maybe that will reverse. And the same is true with advanced data on inventories where we had draws. Now, draws are negatives in GDP. And that, too, follows uh, two quarters of, of, of improvement, really kind of neutral readings for uh, uh, inventories, uh, but uh, the draws aren't positives again for GDP. So the early look, if we were expecting, let's say, 3% for fourth quarter GDP, as w which were roughly the rates in, in the prior two quarters, well, maybe we'll be expecting maybe 2.5%. But this follows, however, uh, a major uptick that we have seen, pivot higher. We've seen a pivot higher for the factory sector um, in September. And uh, it was very clear through all the data and momentum going into the fourth quarter. Uh, it, the factory sector had been more or less flat for most of the year. Uh, but we did see that pivot. And now we're seeing a pivot in new home sales. Uh, new home sales absolutely spiked. This was uh, uh, data on Monday, November 27th. And the annual rate was 685,000 uh, units, um, new home sales single-family home sales uh, for the month of October, far beyond any what anyone expected. And that follows a only small, uh, uh, marginally revised 645,000 rate in September, which itself was a remarkable showing. Now, uh, we've had two of these big things in a row here, and the housing sector, as in general, has been mixed. Now, um, it's been flat like the factory sector had been, but this increase in new home sales, this will be direct inputs into fourth quarter, uh, the October one will be direct inputs into um, fourth quarter GDP, at least uh, broker's fees in, in, in the new home sales regards. But we also had, believe it or not, this morning an upward revision in building permits, a sharp upward revision in building permits. And as those starts, as those permits turn into starts uh, and completions, these will all fill into uh, fourth quarter uh, GDP. So um, uh, we're, we're looking now for the house, the housing sector uh, to uh, picking up momentum. And Mark, I have a quick question about yeah. housing. Yeah. Uh, how much do you think the anticipation of higher interest rates is playing into the housing market? Uh, I'm not sure that the, that it's a big factor. It's hard to say where interest rates are going. They are very, very low. I think the bulk of the demand you're seeing in the housing sector is tied to the jobs market, which is incredibly strong. Uh, the amount of uh, people working is uh, is at record levels. And I think that really is what is uh, fundamentally behind this and perhaps also pent up demand there was uh, n new home sales flopped during the spring selling season and they were flat during the summer and so maybe we're seeing a pickup uh, in that regard and we can oh we can never out rule out uh, noise and volatility in the new home sales market because unlike the existing home sales which is a 10 with the market's 10 times as big new home sales um, the sample sizes are very small and they're subject to uh, large degrees of revision but again these two months back to back and how they stand out really is uh, I, I think key to that we are seeing a pivot higher for new home sales and we also had housing house prices today we had the FHA 
which was uh, uh, softening, and then we had Case-Shiller, which was firming. And the two together are pointing to home price appreciation that's running just a little bit over 6% on an annualized rate, which in a low interest rate, low inflation environment is very, very strong. And um, and those values, the ability to, to uh, sell your house uh, for a good price, that also uh, helps the new home market. So uh, I think we're probably seeing some spillover there. But uh, again, this morning, um, we also had the consumer confidence report. Now, this has been soaring all year, and it really is taking off now. It, uh, readings in here show that consumers are uh, have a very, very strong assessment of the current jobs market, and they have a very, very strong assessment of the futures, uh, future jobs market as well as the outlook for the stock market. And both of these factors, of course, play into income. And expectations for income are unusually, they're the, the highest they've been in a generation. Now, if you look at consumer confidence and you track it against the Dow Jones Industrial Average, for instance, it's a one-on-one -on -one correlation. They both are rising at the exact same slope, which is an interesting thought that the Dow could be a sentiment index. Well, we also have, if heightened uh, uh, sentiment. We also have had indications of heightened value. We had Bitcoin now going over 9,000. We've had a Leonardo da Vinci uh, painting, perhaps a Leonardo da Vinci painting, going for four point, uh, 450 billion. And uh, so we're getting, I think, a lot of froth in the markets. We still have a Santa Claus rally to go in the Dow. Uh, it's no telling where, how, how high do you want to go? And as you know, uh, this is where you make money in a bubble. That's what George Soros says. You want to be in a bubble because that's where you make money. And I think perhaps that's what we're seeing now. Um, certainly, we're seeing a lot of froth way beyond uh, the economic uh, uh, the rate of growth. Thanks, Mark. Until next week. <laughs>